this thing on? Welcome to... Are you serious? Is that happening? I saw it. <laughs> cut that bit out. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Ecclesia, your on-demand dose of gospel and culture for the church on the island of Ireland. I think the whole show should be just barren. You know what I mean? Like, can I have my own show where I just skip out about things? It's not a myth, to be honest with you. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about property taxes. <laughs> whoa, whoa, uh, parental advisory, do not play this for your kids. Mm, I, don't, I don't think you can. Darren's ginger, I've got a ginger beard. I'm you also one foot two. So you don't own property. So I know, don't know. Yeah. I shouldn't be allowed both. We're good, we're good, we're good. All right, okay. Dia Gwich Makara and welcome to Ecclesia, the Irish church cast. We're a gospel-centered podcast by saints and sinners in the lands of saints and scholars. We try to address cultural issues here in Ireland and across the world through the lens of a biblical worldview. Uh, I'm Alan Keenan. I'm joined, as usual, by my co-hosts Mitch Peace and Darren Murphy. What's going on, lads? Say hello. What's up, guys? What up? Yo, yo. What have you been up to? College still. Um, it's getting better. Uh, it's getting more complex, I absolutely can't stand uh electrical craft theory because it's just basically reading and it's reading i did four hours of it today four hours and Can you see uh, the light at the end of the tunnel at least no <laughs> i did however um it, it, it was a very sunny day today so uh when i when i finished college i went on a drive around sligo to a place called uh, ross's point oh nice um yeah very nice yeah. it's only about seven kilometers from where i live and uh it was uh it's it's this kind of like uh it's like a, sea, a coast town kind of thing yeah. uh it's got like all right you know high-end kind of hotels there but uh also then there's like this kind of village just going along the coast but then there's these islands that are just a bit out you know um and they got little houses on them you know but it's quite obvious that you have to have a boat to live there so um that was cool just sitting around oh it's a craggy island it's kind no 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 it wouldn't be craggy island because there's like an island with like a lighthouse on it and a house and then a couple of ruins and then maybe another house. You know, it's it's like not majorly populated or anything. But, uh, this, this is, you know, it's just very beautiful to look at. So I went on a bit of a drive today for the first time uh, since moving here. Just, Sweet. yeah, yeah, see the sights, you know. Sligo is the undiscovered county, man. Uh, people, you don't hear many people talk about it. But it's only just over an hour from my parents' house. And uh, they go up there, up the hills and up to the lakes and oh. out to the sea down to the beach there and it's absolutely beautiful brilliant uh, mm-hmm. part of the country um benji yeah. is going to be listening to this podcast and hating it he hates sligo you see he's from mayo <laughs> the rival county to sligo what are they rivals in like uh, i don't know Gaelic, probably uh, just because they're neighbors yeah we had yeah. the same thing in tala i yeah. mean you look at tala and and you look at two different housing estates and all the kids would hate that other housing estate because we don't live there <laughs> Yeah, do you know what I mean? Yeah. And it's like then they'd fight with each other, but then there's the north side, south side divide of Dublin itself, yeah. you know. And ah, uh, it's just this rivalry, this tribalism that people get into their heads, and it, it, it's really arbitrary. <laughs> if the border was a little <laughs> bit here or a little bit there, it would be, oh, these people are my friends now, you know. Yeah. Anyway, Alan, I was just gonna say, man, what do you what you been up to this week? Anyway, anything special or? Uh, I suppose one thing I wanted to mention was, uh, just by a point of encouragement, I um, was in really bad form yesterday, and I don't know, I'm like my news feed at the moment is kind of been, on Facebook, has been populated a lot by this kind of cultural war that is happening out there on the streets at the moment yeah. with the referendum, and uh, maybe I was a little bit on edge, I had a hard day yesterday, and then I saw... I won't go into the details of it, but um, a friend who was he's in a church and I didn't really agree with something that they were uh, promoting. Uh, like from a theological perspective, I had a I had a major disagreement with it. And uh, I left a comment. And normally I would, especially in the last kind of year, I've tried to try to be very aware of how you're speaking to other believers online because it's it's easier to be gentle face to face. 
and uh, I just broke all my old rules and I was really kind of harsh. Uh, when I woke up this morning, I was thinking about it and it just, it burdened me throughout the entire day. So I sent, and I was like, I just had this image in my head of just him being so like upset with me and annoyed at me because something we disagree on theologically. So I sent him a, I sent him a voice message on my way home. I just recorded it in the car and uh, man, I just got back the most gracious message. He was like, yeah, to be honest, I didn't take any offense. I'd, I'd assumed maybe you'd had a hard day. Um, I know we disagree on that and uh, it's not something I'm kind of going to hold you to. Like we, we totally disagree and I'm willing to have a conversation about it. So uh, yeah, yeah, it was it was uh, really encouraging. Like just the whole conversation lifted me up. I was afraid I wasn't even going to be in a good mood for this whole thing because I just thought uh, it was kind of hanging over me a bit. So it was my own bad attitude, and he just kind of seen through that and went, "You know what? I'm just going to assume the best here." Yeah, well, fair play to him. What was the um, like assuming the best? I you know I normally take things the wrong way. You know, I, I normally would assume the worst before the best myself. Um, it's just something I do. Yeah, yeah. Well, there's, there's a scripture scripture that's always convicted me on that. First uh, Corinthians 13 yeah. on, on love. And it's like love yeah, man. hopes all things. The idea of like hoping the best and seeing the best and presuming the best in one another is is an attitude that is unnatural to human beings, and it's one we definitely need to um, adopt. Uh, we're all brothers in the Lord, and even if we're not like speaking of other believers, everyone out there is made in the image of God and represents God in this world, you know, and He placed them there and it's worthy of respect. Um, so we should at least assume the best and have a positive attitude towards people. You know, it's tough though. Mm-hmm. As challenging as that becomes in practice. So, no uh, Mitch, you look, you look, you look ready to uh, tell us a grueling story of of horror that has happened to you this week. Fire away. Uh, yeah, man. So, whew, I've had quite the week, to say the least. So, um, basically, on our group, Ecclesia Lounge. Um, somebody just put up, I think it was on Thursday or Friday. Uh, do you want to go down and, uh, you know, uh, go and pass out some flyers on Saturday? And I was like, eh, yeah, let's do it. So me, um, my brother and a couple other guys, your brother, Darren, as well, Rowan, um, we all went down and, uh, yeah, we, we just talked to people and, um, but the crazy thing that happened was I decided to just make a simple t-shirt. It was just because of all the hate I've been getting on Facebook, just for my facts of the day, um, I decided to make uh, a t-shirt just to say, fact of the day, life begins at conception, right? And I got two of them made. So I got one, and then I wore one, and uh, Rowan wore one. And after that, uh, I actually, on the street that day, people were saying, where did you get that? Where can I buy one of those? And I was like, what do you mean? I just made it. Um, and then... When I, I when I got home I posted up a picture just of me in it and I and I just said like you know and uh, these are our these this is a shirt if anybody wants one let me know and I'll sort you out pretty much and I just figured you know I'd get maybe 10 people asking me for them but straight away I had a bunch of pro-life pages in Ireland share it and I had I've probably had over the last week, I've probably over the last week, say 150 people that are pro-life in Ireland add me as friends. So it's just super encouraging. Like they're all messaging me like, how can I get one of these shirts and stuff? You know, um, I, I, I like basically what I've done there now is I've actually started a Facebook page called fact of the day and I've come up with a website now. Um, so we, we have like a way to get shirts out to anybody that wants them. We have hoodies and everything now. And also, um, I'm looking to get it to um, just an American distributor. It's not confirmed up on the website yet, so I'll keep that quiet for now. But yeah, guys, stay tuned about that. That's going to be some serious uh, stuff going down soon. We'll put a link to the store in the show notes so you can click on it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's awesome. That's great. Uh, there's a lot. We're probably going to end up talking about it most most episodes. There's a lot going on at the moment in Ireland with the um, referendum. For anyone who's just joined us briefly, on 25th of May, there's going to be a referendum in Ireland where the public are asked to vote on 
whether or not we should retain an amendment to our constitution, the Eighth Amendment, which essentially values the life of the unborn child equally with the mother's life. Uh, it's an amazing amendment. Yeah. It's uh, one of a kind in human history, as far as we know. And uh, it's in a constitution that recognizes God the Father, Son and Holy Spirit as the ultimate authority in our land. So, mm -hmm. it's, um, but essentially in a sort of a post-Christian society, we're in a place where many on the left and in the colleges and uh, the sex industry, we found out, are heading up a movement to try and get this amendment removed so that they can introduce abortion law into Ireland. So that's coming up in like five weeks. So things are really heating up. And uh, we've seen, man, a lot of posts recently. There's a lot of uh, horrible things. One, It's impossible to avoid. Yeah. Well, one big thing that's happening at the moment is that the uh, repeal, the referendum, so the repeal the 8th are ripping down no posters. So the pro-choice lobby is, is ripping down or painting over or cutting up with blades um, any posters that are um, promoting pro-life message. You've seen, you've seen that, Mitch, haven't you? Yeah, I, I mean, I've seen it on people are posting it up on Twitter and everything that they're yeah. actually doing it. They know it's against the law, right? Like they can uh, like people are posting it up that have added me on Facebook and stuff, pro-life people. And I'm just like report them to the guards like they can. Yeah, they can be arrested for taking that's vandalism. They can be arrested for that. It's not. Legal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, uh, hey, look at it this way. They want to kill babies. So overly concerned with what the law has to say about vandalism. No. Um, something, though, that we should uh, point out, though, is there have been some reports, uh, I don't know how true they are, but there have been reports of uh, no cam or, uh, of yes posters being taken down, too, which we should say that we don't really condone yeah. that because it's illegal. It's, it, it is against the law. It's the property of another person. And if we're going to uh, lower ourselves to the level of these people, um, we may as well just get rid of every just law we have. So we, yeah. we really can't descend to that same thing. And if people are doing it, uh, they should stop. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, none of us would none of us would be pushing for any of that anyway. And even even when people even when people are talking to me on Facebook and stuff, like I've I've had people telling me, you know, they're trying to tell me because um, they see that I'm quite active with the pro life uh, movement, and they tell me, oh, I just uh, you know I told this woman all this and on this pro choice page that I don't really know the people, and I'm still just like. Yeah, but like we need to show them that we're a little bit different. We're not going to stoop down to their level. They're the yeah. ones that want to murder children. Okay, we we need to realize that we we're above reproach. We we need to be re above reproach here. Okay, so yeah. and this guy isn't a Christian. He's not even anybody that I know. But he he apologized. He's like, yeah, I know. I should have reacted better to that. And that's what we have to do. Even you know, like people people that are pro life, they recognize that you have to be a you know better than the pro-choicers because they're vehemently vile yeah. in the way that they go about it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we got some really good uh, responses on the podcast this week. Last episode we did, probably my favorite one. Uh, I think it went really well. And we got good yeah. news, another voicemail. I haven't listened to this one yet. So uh, Joe Riley sent us in this one. Uh, you should be able to hear this so I'm just going to play it here Hi guys, uh, just uh, two quick questions, one would be uh, what's your guys view on discipleship and the lack thereof in Irish churches and second question, more importantly for Mitch is is our Pop-Tarts a secondary or primary issue? Thanks <laughs> Did you hear what he said there lads? Is what? Is is pop tarts a secondary or a primary issue? Are they important to you, Mitch? Um, well, let's. All right, let me just say, um, pop tarts are a big deal for me. 
Okay. So, like, I, I, I don't know if I would make it a deal breaker per se, or if I would leave a church if somebody was against um, Pop-Tarts, but it would definitely be more of a secondary issue for me. Like, I wouldn't really want to be comfortable at, like going to Bible studies at their house, probably if they, you know, said that Pop-Tarts weren't weren't any good because they're one of the most delightful um, pastry treats in the world. Is this an advertisement for Kellogg's here? Or, or what's, have I missed something? <laughs> I don't know, man. Uh, Joe asked the question. I'm just answering it. On the uh, on the other bit, I think uh, what Joe was saying was asking us about, um, what was he saying about discipleship? Yeah, in um, churches. Yeah, you're saying, do you think the like Irish churches are doing okay at that, like where where we should be. What do we think? Well, look, um, I think the 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 primary means of discipleship that's that's expected comes from the pulpit. The pulpit ministry, mm-hmm. a pa- a pastor uh, shouldn't just, I suppose, pull sermons uh, from anywhere without really considering his his congregation. You really need yeah. to be preaching to the people who are in your church. However, to do that, you need to know who the people in your church are. So to actually get to a place where you can even preach to what your congregation needs to hear, you need to be speaking directly with them. A lot of people won't, you know, share any kind of issues or struggles or anything that happen in a group setting. So, and it could be difficult for, for a lot of pastors. It very much could be, but, um, there should be an effort to kind of go around and, and, and get to know people in your congregation as much as possible. Some great yeah. pastors I've heard of, like kind of literally like have a, a notebook and try and visit all of their congregation once a year if they have a huge congregation. So it's not that much, but it's like go over and spend a couple of hours with them and try and get through it. And that, it's a huge thing, you know, even in that. I think one of the main goals of discipleship is how to apply the gospel and the nuances of the gospel to particular settings because i think one of the chief things that we do as people is we forget the gospel i could ask you the gospel and you'd be able to tell it to me but then five minutes later you could be telling me about a struggle you're having and you're looking at it from a human perspective you're not looking at it in the light of the fact that you are not viewed in god's eyes according to what you do you're viewed according to what christ has done on your behalf and you've forgotten that yeah and it's like reminding pulling the gospel out of the darkness and into the light of your struggling circumstances i think is a massive part of it i think as well um not even just with pastors though i think you know i love seeing in churches where you'll have say like a like a one-on-one with like a older kind of uh, more mature christian kind of Mm. showing a younger christian um the right way and in the same way you can kind of say that with like a father and a son as well and uh, sometimes I find that that can be a little bit neglected in the kind of churches in Ireland. They kind of don't, they're not, they're not, the men aren't taking the lead in trying to disciple their children as well. I find that sometimes they, uh, you know, they're not, you know, praying in meals, wanting to do devotions with their kids, wanting to, you know, necessarily bring them up in the admonition of the Lord. They just live their normal lives bring them to church they go to the bible studies on their own and then they send them to you know um their own thing but um yeah like it's i i think that that's something that needs to have more focus as well um like children and their father's discipleship Mm. i think um there should be a, a leading by example yeah from from like because because christ is is our ultimate example um and then then you have coming down from that you have the 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 apostles then you have have your pastor and then if you're basically a man the head of your household you are then in at that tier and you're influencing those below you be like uh, below I, i mean not like you're above your wife or anything within terms of where your your ministry is yeah your influence yeah exactly so you, you 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 govern your family um but your 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 church governed by the eldership um and i think it's all by example and i think it all has to go back to 
the precepts put out in the Gospels, in, in the Bible itself. Um, leading by example is, is the best way. Uh, and that sometimes it's, it's not just um, a thing of telling people how they must live. It's, 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 a, it's a matter of showing them by your own, you know, like not even necessarily telling them. There's only so many times you can tell somebody something. But if you're going the right way, um, you, you have to trust then that people have their own eyes and they can observe that. Yeah. You, you can't shelter a certain person from their own sin. You can advise them the right way to go and you can make them feel that guilt because then they see that you're walking a certain way and they are not. And I think that's the most, for me anyway, that's the most convicting when I, when I see my pastor, uh, you know, uh, shepherd and his family, for example, or, you know, and, and then I realize, man, I haven't been doing that. I haven't been doing that thing that he's doing right there. And, you know, he hasn't said it to me and he may not even be thinking it, you know, mm-hmm. uh, but it, it's influencing me then to, 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 to reevaluate my more, my, my standpoint on that issue, say. Joe, Joe was asking as well if we kind of thought it was lacking in the, in the church here. Um, or maybe why I would say I think a reason is that the in a lot of churches the gospel isn't held up as an important enough thing that very often the gospel is something that kind of gets you into Christianity and that's the like the first layer yeah and then um in in certain churches then there's the idea then that you kind of just have to reform your life you have to do a b and c and the gospel is kind of forgotten about in the light of all that. So the, the gospel is the foundation mm. of the Christian life. Anything we do needs to come from the reality of the gospel, not trying not to use it as an entryway and then to, to move on to law. Because that's what I did myself in my early days in the Christian walk, full of zeal for the gospel, and then ended up bogging myself and other people around me down in laws that I'd created for myself, imposing them upon other people. And you you really yeah. get burdened by that. And then your life becomes consumed by trying to keep these laws instead of focusing on the gospel. And when you focus on the gospel, discipleship, evangelism, um, worship all flows from that. I think when we see problems in the church, mm-hmm. the answer very often, it sounds oversimplistic, which is why we don't like it, is to is to make the gospel sweeter, is to is to proclaim the truth of the gospel and make it big bring the reality of the gospel to people and um, if if we really believe that in our churches if we understood the gospel and it was explained to our situations constantly and we're reminded of it like luther said we need to be every day then you know then we could mm-hmm. be discipling one another and just reminding each other of the gospel in our particular situations because the most important thing in a situation and this is this is very important in a situation where you're struggling with something and maybe you need discipleship the most important thing for you to get from that is to, to still believe in the Lord in that struggle and really believe the Lord is in it. Not necessarily to come out of that struggle. Maybe you won't. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily to find laws that make it that struggle easier for you to bear, but to understand that you still can't, how you can still have faith in the light of a struggle. And I think doing that, we just need to raise up our image of God and bring down our image of ourselves. Mm. Amen, brother. Yeah. Um, Will we will we go into the main topic of the day now? Yeah, yeah. Why not? What are we talking about? Well, uh, today we're going to be looking at: um, Are we to procreate as Christians? Does it make us a bad Christian if we procreate? If we not, don't want to procreate, are we like? Are we meant to have kids? Pretty much. So uh, yeah. And... Yes. No. Yes. Argument over. <laughs> well, so in answer to your first one: Are we to procreate as Christians? I don't think that uh, being that we are Christians, we can procreate as anything else. So I think the answer to that is certainly yes. Well, yeah, obviously. Am I right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what I was going for. <laughs> Had to okay. be done. Had to be done. <laughs> okay. Let's look at it from the perspective of somebody that says they're a Christian, but they don't want to have kids. They, they don't want kids because they want to... I mean, there can be a number of reasons. Let's say they... There's one really good one. They're not married. 
well, yeah, obviously they're not married, but um, like say they just even even if they are married, they don't want to have kids because they would rather focus on their career or other things like that, or they don't want to lose their own, um, I don't know, their own like personal free time or something. But yeah, I mean, I've heard a few different arguments for it, but uh, what what kind of what kind of things would you say to somebody that says that? I can I can sympathize with people wanting to do that. Getting married and having kids is a lot of responsibility. Yeah. And it's scary. <laughs> and it's a life changer. And you lose freedom. And I, I mm-hmm. totally sympathize with people who are afraid to take that step and do it. But what we have to realize, it is it is a purpose of marriage. And while there is probably a very long period where it's going to be tough, it's going to get easier and you're going to have something where the, you have the most rewarding thing in the world where your kids start talking back to you sharing your ideas and thoughts that you've thought to them back with you that's happening to me now with my yeah. three-year-old look ki- kids are kids are tough but kids are really rewarding and essentially like if we're gonna go in and get married and do the whole i'm an adult i'm ready for big commitment and responsibility yeah just staying so you're still kind of two individual people sure you're you're a family when you get married but you're really a family when you start being parents together and raising children in a very real way so you're really kind of i suppose you're removing a role that god has created for you you know when you get married you know part of that is becoming a parent and just yeah and it was something else yeah there was something else that i heard actually that was you know there's even even as like you guys are both dads now but it was i like it's 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 just me for looking out from the outside at you guys now um like i heard somebody say like it's one thing to to you know be like be married to a, a wife but it's it's so much more like of a blessing and rewarding to be married to a mother mm. does that does that resonate with you guys at all yeah i mean i think i think it's a truism like I really do. I think it's it's definitely something that's going to be true for everyone. It brings out a whole different side of your personality. It brings out whole aspects of yourself and your partner that you didn't know were there. And at the end of the day, it's 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 God's ordained purpose for your family is there to be children coming from it. So, um to just cut yourself off from an entire avenue of life that is something that God has laid out for you seems uh it seems foolish uh, it seems foolish and uh, I have to say it it, it it seems a little unnatural to me it's 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 I would I would want to stay gracious here to people who are considering this but um the, the command seems to have not been rescinded in any way that says be fruitful and multiply mm-hmm. um that to me says that we are commanded to be fathers and mothers uh, in a marriage context, obviously. Um, but but uh, that hasn't been taken away, that command, as far as I can tell. Our, our, our marriage uh, as well is supposed to reflect Christ's love for his church. Um, and I've always kind of, I don't know, I don't think this, this is a very scriptural perspective that I have on it, but I always kind of thought of the, the children as like the congregants. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Um, like, I know it's not scriptural. I've, I've had people debate me on that, and I, I, I don't necessarily... It wouldn't be a great debate. <laughs> yeah, because the, chur- the church is... The, the congregants is the church. Yeah, because then, then, <laughs> then, then, then the wife is just simply the building. You know, uh, so... <laughs> The analogy is not Christ's love for the building. Yes, exactly. That's that's why I, I stopped holding the, the, that particular okay. view because I realized okay. it was wrong. But uh, I, I, t- there's a romantic kind of image that I have in my head of, of obviously, you know, where that, that analogy does actually come into play in a sense that you do fill up, the, the, you know, your, your congregation with more and more children. Um, but yeah, I... I, I, I I don't think that we should engage in things like contraception or, or family planning or 
any of these things. Uh, th- th- that's my viewpoint on on the issue. I, d- I wouldn't call somebody a sinner for, um, for instance, like w- w- me and my wife, we've always said that we're not going to plan our family in that sense. We're gonna we're gonna leave that in God's hands, you know. So I'm not even interested in in that app that tells us when when we're most likely to have a child or, you know, uh, and, and, and acting accordingly or anything like that. I, I, I just say, look, delete that app. I don't want to, I don't want to know about it. We'll just, whatever happens is what's going to happen. And we're going to, we're going to rise to whatever challenge comes. Look, to be perfectly honest with you, I have two children at the moment. And if I was to be told, if I was to be told, yeah, you're, you're allowed to, you know, choose what you want here i'd say right that's enough you know <laughs> in my own parts i i i find children very annoying irritating. <laughs> no i do i'm sorry I do. no I, I, just, I can i can i think it's, it, it's as a father of two yeah it's as a father of two i i don't like kids so. but it's good that <laughs> but, it's good that you're saying it's good that your view is coming from your your theology and not your own personal preferences and i i very much appreciate anyone who is willing to put their own personal beliefs and desires on hold for what they believe the Lord requires of us. Um, it's a it's a healthy attitude towards the Lord. Oh, you're making me sound like a better Christian than I am now. But you know, uh, yeah. no, don't worry, I'm not making you sound too good. <laughs> but uh, I will say though that I disagree with you on uh, most of the other things you've said. So um, one interesting thing I want to hone in on is that you said um, you're not going to plan your family, you're going to let the Lord work it out. Now, I I would say that's a, a little problematic regards a reformed view of the sovereignty of God because the Lord the Lord plans everything anyway. The, the Lord is the one who, who really works it out anyway. So our own little things that we do aren't ultimately going to stand in the way the Lord's plans. So, but mm. on, and on top of that, if I was to say, I'm not going to pick a job, I'm just going to like put my CV out there and let the Lord bring a job to me. Um, you know, it's in the Lord's hands. I'm not going to pursue it. Well, here's the thing. I can go pursue a job, make my choices, turn mm. down a job, look for this job, talk to someone else, ask him if he can get me a job and end up with the job that the Lord required or the Lord wanted me to have anyway. So. Yeah. I, I would disagree with the idea that planning something and trying to make it happen is contradictory to allowing the Lord to just work. I, 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 I in turn would disagree with you though on, on that same issue. Um, because when we engage in sex among the, um, I don't want to say consequences, but I'm going to say among the consequences of doing that is the possibility of pregnancy. Uh, it, you know, it's it's obviously for the intimacy of the man and woman to become closer, to become stronger together. Um, th- these are things that God has put in there. there. It is for our enjoyment, but it, it's also for the purposes of procreation. And, and um, I would say even with contraception it's always uh it's always potential that you're gonna have a child and there's many many children out there who can testify to that so i think i think with with anything we can put our plans in place and make efforts towards a certain goal be that have lots of children have a few children and Mm. ultimately what the lord desires is some people who try and have lots of children have none and those who try and prevent children end up having a good view. Yeah, I was just like, just in regards to contraceptives. Um, obviously, I'm single, and and there's no uh, prospect of me being married anytime soon. But um, put yourself out there, Mitch. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, always no, a possibility. I, I think. <laughs> but I have a. Um, I like I have no problem with using any sort of any any form of contraceptive uh, contraceptive as long as it isn't abortifacient. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, 
It's important. So like for for myself, I think that God God will, you know, if if God's going to make you have a child and you're wearing a condom, you're going to have a child, you know, either way. And like obviously you can try to family plan and everything like that, which I think, you know, in today's culture there's there's nothing wrong with necessarily planning like that, but at the same time you you have to realize that if you do end up getting pregnant, it's also a blessing. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, that's that's yeah. something I wanted to actually say there as well because um, God does say that uh, children are a blessing, and I I can't help but view contraceptive as as a means of. I mean, is it sinful for us to refuse a blessing from God? No, because the Ten Commandments. Ten Commandments are a summation of, of the law. And uh, I, I have heard that argument before, and I, I, I vehemently disagree with it. Here's the thing. They mm. are not a blessing without um, labor. They're not a blessing that comes with no strings attached. Um, they are a blessing. And the Lord has reminded us that as an encouragement to our hearts. To when we go through the hard times with our kids screaming in the middle of the night. He has reminded us that our children are a blessing and will be a blessing to us, ultimately. And I doubt we'll regret yeah. having them. But you know what? I, at the moment, I don't know where I'd get the strength. I, I'm actually, I'm like struggling with lack of sleep, with, um, like, with just the kids that we have at the moment. One wakes up the other. They're like, uh, it's just extremely yeah. difficult. And if another one came along, I would genuinely be, be terrified. Of how hard it was going to be. And at the end of this long tunnel of labor and work. That there would be an amazing blessing. But it's just not something that we're ready for at the moment. I agree. There's a, the, the blessing is there. But there's also a massive amount of work and heartache and difficulty that goes into it. So not every blessing is for everyone at every time in their life. We're not going to just go keep churning out kids. And another thing. just and I want to make another point on um is it the, the the chief um image of marriage is in, in scripture is this image of christ and the church of love and sacrifice and i don't love having children more than i love my wife and taking putting her through something that's that's yeah. difficult for her pregnancy was extremely difficult um on my wife and so is like having to chase these wild kids around the house um it's hard on both of us it really really is and uh there we just don't have a lot of time for each other as individuals and we're really finding it hard to to just have time together to to talk we're just too tired you know so it's like i'm losing out sure my kids are getting my love but my wife is getting less of it now and she's supposed to be the chief kind of you know, recipient of love in the marriage, but it's it's hard to find time to even remember to do something for her when you're exhausted. Or I would say, in answer to uh, one of the first points that she did make was uh, about uh, blessings. I don't think I agree with you one hundred percent on your perspective on blessings. Uh, blessings to me have always come with as you say strings attached I, I i don't think i'd use that language necessarily but just to <laughs> yeah. bring it back into what you said mm-hmm. um i've now i've not received the blessing of god that wasn't without its its challenges yeah and th- those challenges became sometimes so overbearing but when i would look back it's like it's like what the psalmist said i was glad i was um Oh no, I'm about to forget now. I was glad that I, I suffered basically. You know, I was glad that I had to endure that, even though it was it was it was horrendous at the time. It was there was a horrible amount of whatever suffering that had to go into that. But you know, the, I I don't think that God gives us blessings that we don't, in fact, at some point in the blessing suffer from having had it. Um, sometimes blessings that I've received from God. Uh, have seemed more like a curse than a blessing. Now, I would never say that about my children, but I'm I'm talking about in terms of some things that have happened in my Christian walk, mm. where I've I felt like, why did I pray for this? You know, I got what I wanted, mm-hmm. but this is not what I wanted. You know, and but then yeah, 
looking back on it from a future perspective, I would I would agree then with the psalmist saying I was glad that I I had to suffer through that. I'm serious. I'm right on the edge of remembering that particular phrase, but it's every time. But you know the phrase I'm talking about. Um, I I think yeah. blessings are in a way they 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 are also to bring us through that furnace. Uh, you know, like the suffering saint is is somebody who, like Job, for instance. You know, um. He was about to receive a ton of blessings, but how how could he have seen that in the suffering that he had to go through? But his his faith remained throughout the whole thing. I know he faltered toward the end a bit, but you know, basically he 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 loved God and he had faith in God, and yeah. despite all the suffering that he had to go through, and then he received the reward throughout that, and and toward the end of that, and God was holding him up throughout it and i think we shouldn't lean on our own ability to do something um because i i'm not trying to accuse you Al. Mm. i'm just saying that i did i did sort of get a, a feeling of that through what you were saying um yeah sure there's a there is a fear of how, how difficult it would be uh to have another mm. um i was just gonna say i think a good like thing to think about as well that um you know, as it may be difficult to have another child, and I'm not saying as somebody that has any experience with having children, I know what it might be, but um, I think try to think of it as maybe having, um, you know, having children as not a way of like be, being a burden to your life or the world, but more so as them being able to shape the world in your life, um, if you get what I mean. Like they, you want them to have, be able to have a positive impact on you and on the world. And without them, you know, without your two kids right now, you you know, you'd be, your, your life would be completely different. You know what I mean? And, you know, hopefully they have shaped it for a positive way and you're, you don't see it as a burden. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. No, I'd, I'd well believe it. I'd well believe it. I am, I guess, m- from my perspective, I'm not actually uh, afraid or uncomfortable with having more children. It would be the uh, pregnancy and infancy stage that mm-hmm. I would kind of that has been kind of hard, very hard. Um, Let's on just all agree, it sucks. Yeah, well, we, <laughs> here's the thing: like tough, you know, man. in the light of this this pro life debate and the you know all these children who are unwanted clearly and in the light Mm. of the fact that i'm actually saying i'm not uncomfortable with the idea of having more children it's essentially we're you know thinking about possibly adopting in the future um so yeah um that would kind of (laughs) solve the conundrum because i i I love i love kids and uh, i just want them to be able to uh wipe their own butts (laughs) Oh yeah, man. So do I. I want to have like seven of them. But yeah. After I have one, who yeah. knows? <laughs> the phrase was, "I was glad I was afflicted." By the way. Oh yeah, yeah. I'd, I'd encourage everyone to consider adoption. I wouldn't. I wouldn't uh, yeah. encourage anyone to adopt because I don't know your circumstances. But um, mm-hmm. it really is something that Christians should consider. There's a stigma in society about saying, you know, I was adopted or we're adopting. And it's a strange one. There shouldn't be. And uh, I think one thing it's up for for Christians to do in society is to try and change that stigma and to make it, um, I don't know, to make it okay, to make it a great thing to to want to adopt somebody else's kids when they don't want them. Yeah, that's a beautiful thing. And I, I myself, I haven't, I mean, I've thought about this a little bit, even though I obviously, once again, am still single. (laughs) Um, But, uh, (laughs) but like, yeah, I, I think that, you know, if I'm going to be truly pro-life, I'd, I'd have to look into, you know, possibly adopting a child, you know, that was unwanted because I I would hate to be that child, you know what I mean? And be stuck in that situation. And I feel for all of them in that state. Yeah. I will, and then, I will say as a point of caution toward the notion of adoption, though, um, 
Especially in light of uh, Al, what you were saying about uh, the possibility of another child and 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 the problems that the the, the start of uh, being a father or mother uh, brings. Um, as a stepfather, I think I can speak toward this. Um, I find that I have a shorter fuse when it comes to my stepson than when it comes to my biological son. Um, and it's something that I am working on. It's something that I have been really bad at in the past. And I have been aware of it for some time and I've been trying for some time to remedy. And I'm, I, I think I'm getting better at it. I think myself and, uh, Callum have, have a much better relationship now than we did. But at the same time, I have to say that when, and it's difficult for me to say because he is my son, but he's also not, you know what I mean? And that same thing is true with adoption. It's, mm. you know, can you have that same fuse length with your biological child as you can with your adoptive child? I'm going to have to disagree with you about the, uh, you know, you can't love the adopted children the same because, um, you know, some people, I, they can't actually have kids of their own. And I've seen, lot, like, a good few of my friends have adopted children that they haven't been able to have kids themselves. And I do think that's they different, love them. though, to be honest. Okay, I, I do think that's... It, it, I can understand I, that, then. It's just a but little nitpick, even, but if they can't actually have their own children, I, I do see mm-hmm. that as being different to your, you actually have your own, and then you have others coming in. Okay, I, I understand your point. So, but uh, yeah, even still, though, I think, like, take for example, my my uh, aunt and uncle. They they adopted um, they adopted my cousin now, and he's you know they they love him very much. Um, they know he isn't, you know, he knows he knows he's not theirs and everything like that. There, he's he, but but he calls them mom and dad. They love him with the same love that they love their other children. Um, I've seen it firsthand, and it's really good to see, you know. And uh, he's actually just gone off to the navy, and uh, there's so many, uh, there's so much great love in that family. And um, yeah, I I really think that uh, I I honestly think that people can love their adopted children the same way. But um, yeah, I was just going to say there just finally as well, just if you are somebody who wants to be um, uh, single or married and not have kids, um, this is this is something that we, we I, I would have a problem with, per se, because I think that we need to live up to, you know, as we're called and m- produce and multiply. And if we're not doing that, that's that's God's command to us, okay? And if we aren't doing that, then that means that we better have a good reason when God asks us, why didn't you multiply? And we, we better actually have a reason that isn't just, it was my preference, you know? And I think that any any sort of reason, a lot of the reasons are done out of selfishness that we can find. And that's that's selfishness, you know, it's not it's it's biblically immoral and a lot of it is um it's it's putting yourself before god essentially because you know that you're called to do this but yet you want to put your career or your own free time ahead of what god has called you to do and i don't necessarily think that that's right um because we're you know we're supposed to sacrifice you know, give up our lives for Christ. It's not our life to live for ourselves. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Uh, but on the all the on, on the alternative side, though, I would say that it is very much, and I'm not taking a shot at you, Mitch, but it it is easier said than done. I I do understand people who oh yeah uh, are in that situation because oh man, the the idea of having another child scares me. We're going to, mm-hmm. as soon as the Lord uh, provides. Uh, but <laughs> I, I, I don't want to. And I to. think a lot of people <laughs> might get sucked in by the, uh, a lot of people might get sucked in I by do, the but old, I don't. liberal, 
Yeah, like some people might get sucked in by the liberal agenda as well, trying to get, you know, women not to get married at an earlier age and kind of pursue a career instead of instead of like biblical womanhood and stuff like that, you know. Well, Which, where should that be a, a, a commented question? You should sacrifice all of that stuff when you become a Christian. You should sacrifice and you should mm-hmm. you should say, right, God, where will you have me to be? And and, and that again is easier said than done. Everything that we're saying here is easier said than done. Uh, but it's nonetheless the command that we're given to do is is, is to submit ourselves to God in in, yeah. in everything. And it's so hard to do, you know. Um, but I would say in terms of family planning, be it to plan for being fruitful and multiplying or to, to being uh, not whatever the, the opposite of that is, uh, submit it all to the, to, to the Lord, you know, submit all of these things to the Lord, pray about these things yes. and make sure that you have an answer. But just remember that submitting it all to the Lord doesn't necessarily mean having unlimited children without any thought or restraint or wisdom. We're not the dangers with 25 kids. That's what my wife wants. She wants to compete with them. I told her I'm not up to that. (laughs) I'm too tired. I am too old. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, no, no, no I, 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 I wouldn't want that. But if that's what the Lord gave, well, that's what I'll do. Uh, yeah, well, me I'll, too. I'll, <laughs> and I'll just have to lump it. <laughs> right, well, yeah, I think that was a good one. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, thanks for bearing with us through that. Um, we'll uh, see you next time. We kept pretty civil. Yeah. Oh yeah, and uh, goodbye everyone, thanks for listening. <laughs> See you guys later. <laughs> well, slam that. Uh, God bless. Talk to you next time. Don't forget to come find us on Facebook, Twitter, Ecclesia Lounge and Cast. Gotta get that Twitter up and running. <laughs>